0: For those of you that have been with us over the past couple of weeks, you remember that on June 26th, we started a four-week series on Jonah. And everything was going hunky-dory, right? And we were supposed to finish that series and read chapter four together on July 17th. But then I got COVID. And then I was thinking, well, maybe we'll do it the next week. But then Madison and Reed, our son, got COVID. So I was out for two weeks. So I've had a sermon on Jonah 4 living in my head rent-free for like almost three weeks if you count the week before that first Sunday. So I finally get to get it out. So for those of you that maybe missed those first three weeks of Jonah, I think it's going to be okay because it's such a familiar story I'm guessing that you're going to be able to track with us and I'll recount it just a little bit But for those of you that have been with us all summer, we finally get to finish jonah I bet you thought that we weren't going to finish it, right? We finally get to finish it. So let's read it together We're going to read all of jonah chapter 4, which is the last chapter of of jonah. So let's read it this morning But this was very displeasing to jonah And he became angry He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew, I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from punishment. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said... Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush, so it withered away. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said again, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you're, you're concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being at night and perished in a night. And and should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120 thousand persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. You remember how we got to this point, don't you? You remember the first three chapters of Jonah. It starts out with Jonah, this prophet, getting a call from God to go to the capital of the Assyrian empire, a city that was called Nineveh. But Jonah decides that he doesn't want to go. He's probably scared for his own personal safety because the Assyrians were known for being a brutal and violent people. But Jonah also probably didn't really like the Assyrians all that much. They were enemies of his people, they had been raiding his people's towns. And so not only is Jonah scared for his own personal safety, but he doesn't really want the Ninevites to be saved. And he certainly doesn't want to be the reason, the mouthpiece of God that goes into the city and helps them find safety. So Jonah, instead of going up to Nineveh, he runs and he goes the opposite direction. And this is the part of the story that we all know, right? He gets on a boat, he tries to set sail for Tarshish, but a storm hits and the sailors end up throwing him overboard. And you think that's the end for Jonah, but then God appoints a fish that swallows Jonah and he spends Three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. And the fish spits him up onto dry land. And God speaks to Jonah again, saying the same thing that he said to him the first time, saying, I want you to go to Nineveh and save these people. Except this time, the second time, Jonah actually goes. And sure enough, the Ninevites repent. And they repent in like dramatic fashion. I mean, the whole city fasts everybody puts on a sackcloth including the animals the king sits on a pile of ashes and they seek repentance from God and God actually relents God decides not to destroy the city and that is where our scripture picks up for today that is right where chapter 3 ends And usually, right at the end of chapter 3 is where we stop telling the story when we're telling it to children. If you pick up a children's Bible, and I know this because I just read reads, the story just stops there. There is no chapter 4. The city is saved. Jonah did what God called him to do. The end. Happy ending. And I'm sure now you can see why after reading chapter 4, right? Because chapter 4 is not fit for a children's Bible. Chapter 4, in my opinion, is big boy and big girl stuff. Because it forces us to ask some really difficult questions. And because of that, I think that when we allow chapter 4 to be the ending of this story instead of just chapter 3, it should also transform, it should really change the way we think and understand this book. Especially when asking the question, which is what we're going to be asking this morning, what is this book really about? What, what is this book really about? We spent four Sundays reading through this book. I want us to answer the question, what, what are we really supposed to take away from this story of Jonah? But before we get to that I want to make sure we didn't miss anything in chapter 4 and it's also just so good that I want us to work our way back through it. So so chapter 4 starts and Jonah is displeased. I love that word. He is displeased because God has decided to save the Ninevites and he goes on to have this conversation with God really briefly and he says, "Look, God, this is why I ran. This is why I decided to run to Tarshish because I knew who you are. I knew who you were." God, I knew, I knew that you were gracious. I knew that you were merciful. I know that you're slow to anger. I know that you have this habit of relenting from punishment. God, I knew all these wonderful things about you. I knew how good of a God you really are, and that's why I didn't want to go, because I knew that this could happen. I knew if they repented, you just might save them, and that's why I ran. In fact, God, Jonah says, I am so angry about this. Why don't you just take my life from me? Because it's better for me to die than to live. I'm never going to get over this, God. And God asked Jonah a question, right? He says, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah, is it a good thing for you to be angry right now? Is it really right for you to be angry and of course jonah doesn't answer did you notice that he turns his back on god starts to walk east of the city he makes a tent for himself and it says he waits to see what will come of the city and how i read that is that jonah is still holding out hope that god will in fact destroy the city and if god does jonah wants to make sure he can see it so he walks a little bit east of the city, makes himself a booth and stays there for the night. And at this point, God gets really creative, and I love it. I am here for it. In chapter 1, God appoints, it's the same word, appoints a fish to swallow Jonah. And here in chapter 4, God appoints a bush to grow over Jonah and give him some some shade to save him from the discomfort Of the heat. And all of a sudden, it says that Jonah is happy again. A little bit later, God appoints a worm to destroy the bush. And then remember it said God stirred up this sultry east wind, made sure it was a really hot day. And suddenly Jonah is right back where he started, isn't he? He says the exact same thing to God. God, it is better for me to die than to live. What a roller coaster of emotions for Jonah. We're sad, we're happy, and then we're sad. We're sad again. Except this time God asked Jonah a second question. It's a lot like the first question, but it's a little bit it's a little bit different. He says. Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? Jonah, is it a good thing for you to be angry about this bush? Is it right for you to be this angry about this plant? And this time, Jonah doesn't walk away, does he? He must be a little more agitated this time because he seems to be just a little bit more raw. Maybe he's a little sunburned, but he looks at God and he says, as a matter of fact, God, yes. Yes, it is angry enough to die and god says jonah let me make sure that i have this right and i just want to read you how chapter four ends again i want you to hear this one more time jonah you're concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow it came into being in a night and perished in a night and should i not be concerned about nineveh that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know their right hand from their left, and also many animals. And that's it. That, that's all we get. Jonah doesn't appear anywhere later in Scripture. That, that's the end of Jonah's story for us. It's like the ultimate cliffhanger ending in Scripture. Which I think, like we've already said, when we allow this chapter to really be the ending of Jonah's story, it forces us to ask the question, what is this book really about? Because when we leave out chapter 4, and we allow chapter 3 to be the ending like we see in our children's Bibles, it makes it really easy for us to say, well, well, the story of Jonah is about saying yes to God's calling upon your life. It's a story about no matter what, it's never too late to repent, just like the Ninevites, and find salvation, right? It's a story to, to the testament of the, of the redeeming power of God. It doesn't matter how far you've strayed away, you can always come back and find forgiveness and find grace. And then, of course, it's it's yet another example of God using someone very unlikely and even resistant to do something that is absolutely miraculous, like saving an evil city from their own demise. But when we tack chapter four on to the end of it and, and we read it, I think there's another main point that floats to the surface that that I really think encapsulates all of those things and it's this what what i think i realized this week is is that jonah this book this story of a prophet is is really a story of a man who is absolutely convinced from the very beginning to the very end that he knows better than god that's what i think this story is about it's about a man who is absolutely convinced from the very beginning to the very end that he knows better than God. He knows better than God how to run his own life, and he knows better than God how others should be treated. This theme emerges in the first three verses when Jonah gets his call. Chapter 1 is all about a disagreement between Jonah and God about what Jonah's own life should look like. Really, it's a disagreement about how Jonah should be spending the next couple of months of his life. Jonah, God calls Jonah to go east, and Jonah goes west. Chapter 4, in my opinion, is a disagreement between Jonah and God about how others' folks' stories should look. Jonah completely disagrees with God for how God has decided to treat the Ninevites, and you can see all the way to the end, it looks to us at least, that Jonah believes he knows better than God. Throughout the whole course of this book, God and Jonah have two completely different visions for how the world should be run. You know what that made me think of? As I was thinking about that this week, and I don't know why my brain went here. Maybe it's because we tell this story to children, and that's the first thing that we think of when we read about Jonah, or maybe it's because in chapter four, I really think Jonah is behaving like a child. I think he's throwing a fit. I think it's like a terrible look for his maturity level, right? But for some reason and this is so good because my parents are here for some reason, this made me think about that stage in life that we all hit where we realize that we are actually smarter than our parents. Do you remember that? Do you remember being in like middle school, high school? It kind of hits us all at different ages, but we hit this point. We wake up one day and we just, the light bulb goes off and we realize that we are smarter than our parents. And we usually spend like a couple of years in that phase of life. I remember this phase of life. I'm betting my parents do too. And I bet you probably remember this phase of life. As well. I remember arguing with them all the time about like the littlest, dumbest stuff. I remember having all these smart comments run through my head, watching them just do normal life, right? Because I was convinced that I was smarter than them and that I knew how to do whatever it was they were doing, I knew how to do it better. I knew what was cool to wear and what wasn't cool to wear. I knew what was cool to listen to and what wasn't cool to listen to, right? I, you remember this. I knew what was cool to watch and what wasn't cool to watch. I knew what was cool to eat and what wasn't cool to eat. Remember, like, not wanting to go to certain restaurants for no good reason, other than you just, like, didn't want to be seen there or whatever? I mean, it just runs so deep when you finally hit that phase in life. I remember watching my dad cut up a piece of grilled chicken and thinking he's doing it all wrong. He's doing it all wrong. I know how to do it better. Better. It's that stage of life where you cannot stand for your parents to teach you how to do something new. Because if you let them teach you, it requires you to admit that you didn't know how to do it already. Do y'all remember that? That's where my brain went this morning when I began to ask those questions. That coming of age stage of life where we realize that we know better than our parents. It's a stage of life that I'm sure Reed will never hit, right? And look, I may have grown out of doing this with my parents. Maybe you have too. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, we still do this with God. I think we still do this with God. You know, it's hard to admit. I don't know if you can admit it with me, but I really don't think we are as different from chapter 4 Jonah as we really like to believe God, you might be calling me to go there, but I I really think I should go here. I think I know better than you, right? God, you may be calling me to go do this, but I really think my time would be better spent doing that. Instead, I really think I need you to listen to me here, God, because I think I know better than you. God, I may feel like you're calling me to give this or to give up this or to give my time to this, Lord, but I... I really think I should be giving to this instead. God, I, listen to me, I think, I really think here you don't have it all figured out. I think I, know, I think I know better than you. God, you may be calling me to go care for these people or care about these people, God, but I, I really don't think, I really don't think I do. Do you really know what they have done? I, think I I think I know better than you. God, you may think that they're worthy of redemption, but I, I really, I really don't. I think, I think I know better than you. If you're like me, if you're willing to admit it, then you, you always find yourself in this push-pull relationship with God. And now sometimes it may be over something really big, like it was for Jonah, right? But I also think we do this over really small things as well. I think this is part of our growth as disciples of Jesus, continually willing to give up control of our life and give control to God I've read this book many times I started off this sermon series by telling you It's, it's one of my favorite books And it is, I love this book Of Jonah And, and this time For some reason I'm, I'm walking away After studying it for weeks With a question that I've never walked away with it From and, and it's this Who who really knows best? That's the question that I couldn't Get out of my head this week Who really knows best who really knows best what the next couple of months of my life should look like is it me or is it god who really knows best how other people should be treated is it is it me or is it god who do i believe really knows best how to run this world is it me or, or is it god who really knows best. Do we really think that we are more fit to run this whole deal than God is? Jonah is. Jonah is convinced that he is better fit than God. And I think what we see, and maybe why the book ends like this, is that we see Jonah get left in a miserable place at the end of of this book. He's alienated. He's alone. He's angry. He's frustrated. He's blind to himself. And he's created this distance between him and God. Jonah's convinced that he knows better and man, he gets left in a miserable place, a place that I hope to never find myself. And the hope for Jonah, of course, right? The, the, the hope for Jonah is that this is the moment for him. That if there was a next verse, we would see that this bush object lesson from God, that it worked. And that Jonah, for the first time, maybe in his whole life, could finally see that maybe it is God who knows best what his life should look like and how others should be treated. That's our hope for Jonah. Now, we don't know, but that's that's our that's our hope. The hope for us, as we walk away from this story and start something new next Sunday, the the hope for us is that we will see, like Jonah says, that our God is, is gracious. And our God is merciful. And our God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And our God relents from punishment. That we will see that our God is good. And because of that, friends, we will know, we'll know that we can trust that he knows better than we do. How to run this world, but also how to run our life. My hope walking away from this book is that I will grow to realize more and more that, that I am at my best. As a follower of Christ, as someone seeking to be a disciple that i am at my best when i can fully trust and give up control knowing that god knows better than me not only what the next few months of my life should look like but how this world should be run that that's when i'm going to be most able to grow most able to serve and find it the easiest to live into that abundant life that is promised. Friends, may we be a people that trust that God knows best. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning in to our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week. And we look forward to seeing you soon.